With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Turn up your volume. volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a ball! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's gonna be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast. Thanks for uh, tuning in, everyone. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're probably watching us right now live on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, please do so. It's absolutely free. Tell your friends about it. We want to increase our subscribers, of course, and show that we are uh, growing slowly but surely, they say. Nice and slow. See, that's the way nice and slow so thank you very much for that we also want to thank of course our partners in this beautiful venture that is the sick podcast brewed in quebec a winner of a dozen international awards i'm talking to you about la bit at tb offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste la bit at tb embrace your true nature open 24 7 now i'm talking to you about playground drinks are always free while you play you heard me right while you play Drinks are always free. Over 600 machines, daily promotions, including Bust a Bank Pirate Edition with a $100,000 weekly top prize every Sunday and a $1 million top prize at the grand finale on September 10th, located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. It is Playground and also brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, recently named by Deloitte. CIBC is one of Canada's best managed companies. The country's leading business award recognizing innovative and world-class companies. The best managed Canadian companies designation fuels energy's purpose of creating progress for their customers, their employees, and their communities. Join a winning team 
and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. All right, tonight, to give myself what we call a little spruits here, or if you want spritz, uh, this is my version of this. I, by the way, I have to get a new um, spray bottle. Uh, this one seems a little bit too big, and uh, it's it's a. I wanted something maybe with the sick colors or whatever. But anyway, here we go. As has become, uh, you know, one of my traditions, I spray myself off here. But I, I wanted to talk to you tonight about because everywhere I go, I'm asked, Tony, how much longer is this rebuild? Are the Canadians going to win a cup one day? If so, when are they going to win it? How are they going to win it? So I decided, you know what? I'm going to talk about it on the podcast. So how long before the Montreal Canadiens become a contender? And what will they do to get there? So to talk about this, I have to go to one who's plugged into the Montreal Canadiens 24-7, 365 days a year. He's with the team on the road. He's with the team at home. He's at practice. He's at the games. He doesn't take days off. Well, he does a couple in the summer, of course. But that's only normal. Eric Engels of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. What's going on? Yeah, thanks for the intro. You're very welcome. Speaking of summer, what a nice, beautiful summer uh, shirt he has. What he's wearing, right? That's a. What, what, is that? Would that be mauve? Would that be mauve? Honestly, it's yeah. more wine colored. It's just whatever the lighting is on my computer. I can. It never seems to come across exactly what it's supposed. It's to be. more wine color, really. Wow. Uh, yeah. It's just yeah, the, the lighting. lighting. The lighting makes it look mauve. I'm going to tell you that right now. Yeah, so, Eric. Um, let's start with the rebuild, all right? Because there's been different terminology over the last couple of years under the reign of Gordon and Hughes and even Jeff Molson. But, I mean, unless you're not paying attention, we know it's a rebuild, okay? Now, uh, where are we in terms of the rebuild? Do we still use rebuild as to what they're trying to do? Or is there another term? Where are we right now and what term do we use? Yeah, from the start, and I guess maybe it's inaccurate on my part, I've kind of been calling it the build instead of the rebuild, right? Like all new management, new coaching staff, new people all over the organization. Um, and I think it, I think rebuild is probably more accurate if only for the fact that you've got to tear something down and build it back up. Um, but I think they're... I think the Canadians are basically right on the schedule they would have anticipated when Jeff Gordon took over initially. Um, they've stockpiled one of the deepest, no, they've stockpiled the deepest prospect pool in the NHL, whether or not it has the quality um, in terms of superstar quality coming out of it, it. I wouldn't suggest the Canadians are at the top in that regard, but I, it is extremely deep at, at almost every position. And they are still, you know, they still have 27 picks in the next three years. Like, there's a lot of things that are going to have to happen over that course of time to get this team to where they need to be to be considered a contender. Yeah, but but, but picks don't yeah. guarantee anything, right? During no, no, no. Tenure, they, I mean, they're assets. You know, assets, right? Like Mark, the Canadians Jeff, have Jeff, Jeff Molson. Pardon me if I can for a second, but when Mark Bergevin was GM and, and Trevor Timmons was obviously the director of amateur scouting, then they dropped the title. I think they made Trevor Timmons one of Mark Bergevin's assistant GMs and they gave the title to Shane Churla, if memory serves me well. But Jeff Molson would make it a duty to kind of remind us of how many picks the, they have, right? I mean, those picks 
I mean, they only mean something if they end up being good players. I mean, if they they're assets, they're assets, right? They've built up a very deep pool of prospects and they have 27 picks over the next three years. And those picks are assets, whether they choose to use them or move them, which I think you'll see a lot of them move. Uh, and you'll see some high caliber players coming back the other way for some of those assets. All right. So, so if the term you used when Jeff Gordon came in, which was at the, pardon me, let me just, it would be the end of October, uh, pardon me, end of November, 2021, I believe. So at the end of November, it'll be two years on the job. If the term you used then was build here we are two minutes uh two years minus what four months uh september october two years minus three months we're 21 months later where are we now are we still build or are we yeah. gone from build to we're still build okay i think you're building all the way until you reach a status of you're starting to turn over some of the young talent, some of it has blossomed with your team, and some of it is turning over to get you higher caliber players that take you to the next level. Um, where you get out of, we're focused a lot of on the future versus we're focused on the now. So right now you're acquiring pros- young players, yeah. uh, draft picks, and or prospects from other teams to build this thing. Yeah. You want to be in a position where a couple of years from now, you believe you are ready to start taking the next step to be really serious about this and possibly even go for it. And at that point, you are the ones who are trading some young players, some draft picks and or some prospects to other teams uh, to go out and, and try and get immediate help. So what some teams are doing right now, you want to be able to do that in a couple of years from now. Yeah. And or even like, Vegas did trading some really good established players too for players they think give them a better chance of winning. Um, we saw some really good players leave Vegas in the heart of their contracts for other players that they felt could give them a better chance to win. You're talking um, about the Eichel trade? Eichel's an example for sure. Like Alex Tuck was a pretty established player before yeah. going to Buffalo. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they traded for Mark Stone. They traded Max Pacioretty out after he led the team in scoring. Um, they traded – they made a bunch of different moves. Nate Schmidt leaving, who was a heart, heart and soul player for that team, right in yeah. the prime of his deal. The big one was acquiring Petrangelo's an unrestricted free agent, which, of course, yeah. is something easier to do when the city uh, – <laughs> Um, that, uh, you know, the city is Vegas. I mean, it, that's yeah. it's that's easier to do. Will we get to that point? Because, you know, we all like to say that with Marty St. Louis as a coach and Kent Hughes as a general manager and Jeff Gordon as an executive vice president of hockey operations and they treat the players well and, you know, when they get traded, they they, they put out a nice tweet and when they come back, they give them a nice little, they, they pay tribute to them and, they, you know, they try to accommodate players when they can. You know, the sexy thing to say is, yeah, you know what? Players will want to come to Montreal one day and play for Marty St. Louis. But will they? Will they, Eric? Will we get to a point where unrestricted free agents will say, never mind Vegas, never mind New York, never mind Tampa. I'm choosing Montreal. 
Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I think if things continue to go the way they are, I don't know that players will say, never mind those markets you just mentioned, because when they're in the picture, they're extremely appealing markets, especially with what the teams are doing within those markets. But I do believe that we're trending towards a lot of players around the league taking notice with what's happening with Marty St. Louis and a lot of positive momentum being built to attract free agents to a market that has been somewhat unattractive for several reasons. At the end of the day, you speak to any agent, players want, obviously, security. They want the best opportunity for their family to thrive and grow. They want to be in a market that they are comfortable in. Um, But above everything, they want an opportunity to win and be in a place where they will be valued for who they are and what they bring. And uh, I think Marty St. Louis is a big factor in making Montreal a market that players will consider to be that type of market. And that's that's exciting for the Canadians. But I would also couch it uh, with two things. One, that there's competition uh, in free agency. Mm-hmm. And two, I think a lot of people are looking two summers down the line, seeing a windfall of money come into the equation for the Canadians and saying, okay, this is when they're going to drop the gauntlet, open up the vault, Uh then bring all these players in. And I think while it's possible they will use free agency as one of the ways to make their team better, I don't know if it'll ever be the main vehicle of what they're trying to do here. And I'll tell you why. One, there's going to be an inflation on salaries with the salary cap Mm -hmm. going up dramatically Mm -hmm. over the next couple of years. And two, the nature of the beast that is free agency is that invariably you are signing players to contracts that you know down the line are not going to be worth the value. um, And that you need to get the best out of those players in the early years of the contract that you give out term with. And the Canadians have to be in a place two years from now where they're not good and on the rise, but they're great. So they can take advantage of bringing those players in on those types of deals where they know that in years five, six, seven, they're not getting great value on the player. Right. Yeah. So, so this build once again, started with, uh, the hiring of Jeff Gordon, which led to the hiring of um, Kent Hughes, which w- led to the hiring of uh, Marty St. Louis, Vinny LeCavier, Adam Nicholas, uh, Chris Boucher. The list goes on and on. It's rather expensive, extensive. My question for you is, 
you take a look at all the moves that have been made. Is there something they should have done differently up until this point? I don't. Uh, would they take a yeah. mulligan on anything? Do they have any regrets? I mean, I don't think any executive in the league looks back on their record and says I was perfect, no matter how well they've done. And I'm sure the Canadians, with hindsight, Jeff Gordon, Kent Hughes, would look back on one or two things that they've done along the way here in hindsight and say, maybe I would have done it this way. Um, but that's why hindsight is 2020. You can see crystal clear when you're looking backwards. Yeah. Um, can I point to something specifically where I look at it and say, this is an albatross, like this is a mistake? They need a mulligan on this one? Hold on a second. It doesn't have to be an albatross, but of everything, yeah. every move that they've made so far or maybe didn't make, when you take a look at something, do you say, uh, yeah, they probably shouldn't have done that? I don't I don't really see not, – nothing glaring pops into mind. Okay. I'm sure the fans could come up with one or two things that they don't like. Maybe they don't like David Reinbacher being drafted fifth overall. Maybe they don't like Uri Slavkovsky being drafted first overall. Maybe they don't like the return in the Toffoli trade uh, when it was done. Maybe whatever it is. I don't think I would redo any of those things personally. So think, you're you're okay with uh, hold on a second. So you wouldn't redo what they did, or you're okay with what they did? I'm a little bit uh, just. I wouldn't. Little, I wouldn't redo it, here. and I'm, I'm I'm definitely okay with it in terms of my opinion of how they fared in those particular circumstances. Okay. I bet maybe if you ask Kent Hughes or Jeff yeah. Gordon, maybe an opportunity came to them at one point or another that they turned away from. That maybe they'd say to themselves, mm, "That was yeah. something that we could have had." Yeah, you know there was a lot of rumors around the draft in terms of what was available to them to give up the fifth yeah. overall pick. Um, you know, I've heard a quite a few things that were offered that were interesting, but at the end of the day, the way these guys operate and have gotten to know them pretty well, yeah, they don't make unilateral decisions. You know, they they put people in place that they trust and they lean on those people in the decision-making process and they challenge each other until they arrive at the conclusion that they believe is the right one for their team. And I think so long as you operate that way, whether you make a mistake or two along the way, because mistakes yeah. are inevitable, of course. the real important thing is not compounding mistakes. You're right. They gather a lot of information and, and then they go with the information that they have. I have to, this is not a big deal, which I'm going to bring up by the way, because it may not lead to much at all. Let me just put it this way, though. For a team that said that they wanted to accelerate the rebuild, it's a little thing that I'm going to bring up, okay? It's a little thing. I was surprised when uh, Tolvanen was on waivers and they didn't make a pitch for him, all right? Ultimately, he ended up going to Seattle. I think he's a player who's got something. Then again, I'm not a scout. They have their scouts. It's a little thing, okay? It may not amount to something. It's just for a team that was looking for those kinds of players, former first-round picks who probably didn't pan out in their previous organization, giving them a chance, especially with youth and salary on their side, to see if they could become something. A little bit surprised by that. The other one, I think... You might be right. In the the other, yeah, the other one that I think is that there may be a regret that from uh, the uh, duo of Gordon and Hughes that they probably didn't part ways with a player on the team 
that was contributing last season, which was, of course, the season of the Bedard draft. And they ended up finishing, what, fifth last, and they ended up getting the fifth pick. But we recall that when the Toronto, when it was the year of the Austin Matthews draft, if memory serves me well, Toronto had traded Kessel, Toronto had traded Phaneuf, Toronto had traded several assets to make the team weaker that season so that even though the guys were going to try as hard as they were, ultimately they were going to lose a lot of games. And they ended up with the first pick overall, and they ended up drafting Austin Matthews. I think that there could be maybe a regret there. And I don't know who the player was that they should have parted ways with or the player that they should have traded. But I think maybe they could have made the team weaker, which would have given them a better chance of maybe finishing even worse in the standings and giving giving them a better chance of trying to win the Bedard sweepstakes. Maybe. Um, But I'll tell you, I, I think they're really happy with who they ended up with in that draft. I mean, obviously, they'd be elated if it was Connor Bedard, and I think every team in the league would tell you that. Um, but you know, only one team could get him, and uh, and the team the that team? tried, but the team that tried really, really hard to get him, harder than everybody else, they traded the Brinkat, they traded Doc. Yeah, the team that tried the hardest to part ways with assets so that they iced an inferior team, they traded Kane was the Chicago Blackhawks, and they won the Bedard sweepstakes. They did, but they also finished 30th in the league. They finished third last, yes. Two teams finished behind them. You're so, right. you know, in the end, not an, not an exact science. I hear you. I mean, we could talk about the past, but I think you and I want to talk about the future, right, and yes, where, this, yes, where this goes. Yes. So how do they get there, Eric? How do they get to where they want to go? Because so far... We know what they've done to get to where they are right now. What do they do here over the next couple of years to get over the hump? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. The best thing that they can do mm. to get there mm. is now put the emphasis on competing as hard as they possibly can. They may not have a successful season this season coming up. They're not going to try to bottom out. They might bottom out again. You look mm-hmm. around the Atlantic Division, it's going to be really hard for them to get further. But it is extremely important for their future that they try to win as much as they can while they have a large 
wealth of their prospects developing together right here in Montreal. And if you want to talk about how to win a Stanley Cup, a mentality starts, shift is what you're talking about. It starts on the back end. It starts with the goaltender and the defense. Mm-hmm. And right now, you have five defensemen or so yeah. that are growing together as a foundation to what the core is going to be moving forward. And no matter what happens with those guys moving forward, whether they remain here or not, mm. you want them to keep getting better and getting better together and learning how to win together. And that is going to be at the core of the Canadians coming into a window where they're contenders. They have Suzuki and Caulfield locked up through mm-hmm. the primes of their careers. They have Doc and Newhook in very good situations in terms of four-year contracts uh, and what they might be able to do moving forward to earn themselves really good contracts if they pan out the way they should and Doc is on his way and we'll see what Newhook new does. They have Slavkovsky in a position where he's going to continue to grow without all uh, without without as much pressure as you would normally have to immediately become good as a player or, or as a finished product. Mm-hmm. Now he's got time to develop and grow into that body and become the player they want to see. Yeah. But it's really crucial that they continue to build their brand and their identity and their competitiveness and they grow together because you need veteran defensemen to win the Stanley Cup and these guys need to gain experience. And and you look if you look at a bunch of them, some of them are not going to be here when this thing comes around because they're if things go the right way, mm-hmm. they're going to develop into the type of players. Maybe it's Jordan Harris, maybe it's Justin Barron. Uh, whoever it is, that you can flip for more established, veteran, Stanley Cup-type winning defensemen to anchor what will be a really strong blue line core. It's going to take another year before Logan Mayu is a regular in Montreal, I believe. He needs to play games, and he's got the AHL in front of him, and they're going to plug him in there. I'm sure he'll have make a really good running camp. I'm sure he will play some NHL games because he has an NHL frame and NHL skills, but he's got to play a lot of games and learn a lot of things. It's going to take a year or two to get David Reinbacher into that system and into the rotation. And it's going to take the guys who are already there another three years to really find their best footing in the NHL. And if all that happens, you really have the foundation of something that could, that could push the Canadians to where they want to go. And that's why, when I originally said, I know everyone's looking at 2025 and the money that'll be available and the free agents that might be available and how the Canadians might jump into the market. I really think their best route to where they Mm -hmm. want to go and acquiring the type of players that push them over to the edge into contender status will probably be through trade because of who they've stockpiled. And I forgot to mention Lane Hudson, who's coming or two years and and we'll have to go through the same process, but we'll probably get there faster because of the elite level talent that he has. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's how you build it. So you made a comment, Eric, you made a comment. You said that teams that win the Stanley cup, they have some veteran defensemen. So it's important to play the young guys so that, you know what? They, they gain that experience, that wealth of yeah. experience. They gain it together at the same time. They will in turn become veterans. It's not uncommon for teams to win the Stanley cup, to have players in their mid thirties, uh, whether at any position, my question to you is, and now you're going to have to look into your crystal ball, Eric Engels. 
Mike Matheson is 29 years old. He's got three years left on his deal, a deal that pays him 4.875 per year. We know, of course, that he is a Montreal boy, and everyone loves him here. And he had a fantastic season, I thought, this year, this past year, in his first season with the Montreal Canadiens. When his contract will be up, he'll be 32 years of age, and he'll be an unrestricted free agent. Will, when you look in your crystal ball, if the Canadians are going to be a Stanley Cup contender in four years from now, let's just say I'm giving that number. In three years from now, when Matheson's contract is up, does he renew with the Canadians? It's it really depends what happens over the next three years with Mike Matheson, but also with the Canadians. Like I said, you can't go diving into the market, trade or UFA, and really spending and and putting out big dollars there unless your team is great. You can't do it as a good team on the rise. You have to do it as great. And the Canadians and Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon are going to have to do a lot of things right for the next two years to put themselves in a position where they could say, I think we're close to being great. Because then it really makes sense to do those types of things. Mike Matheson could play as well as he did this last season and be as healthy as he was towards one portion of it because um, he was injured to start and he was injured yeah. a bit in the middle. Yeah. And he could turn into their best trade asset to really bring in some really good things that continue to build the asset value for the Canadians to go get those types of players I'm talking about. Or he could prove himself so valuable to the Canadians that he has more value to them than he does to anybody else and they consider him a piece that helps them get there. But if you really look ahead into the future, I mentioned Lane Hudson a couple of minutes ago. And in an ideal world, Matheson gives everything he has to the Canadians and increases his value to the point where on the market, his value is enormous. And Lane Hudson gets to a point where he's ready to step right in and the Canadians get an asset back uh, in trading Mike Matheson that mm -hmm. helps them get to contender status you know that yeah. that's one of the ideas of how this can go of course there the, the other side of it is he plays so well that he becomes too valuable to you and you don't want to move him yeah and you decide yeah. to sign him to another deal yeah um one, by the way skates so well that in three years from now at 32 years old i really don't worry about the kind of defenseman that he's going to be people said the same thing about jeff petrie right like yeah it, well, it, listen, injuries are could be a part of it, of course. You have one bad injury. It could set you back a little bit. But, you know, the other thing is, is that, you know, we know that Kent Hughes, when he went out and, and he acquired Matheson, it's because he identified Matheson as a player who would love to return home and would buy into the culture. This doesn't happen often when a player turns unrestricted free agent, but I could really see it happening with Mike Matheson. That if, it, if his family is happy here, that he's one of the guys that would settle for the hometown discount. I, he's that kind of guy, and he's just that kind of – I could see that happening. I know one thing's for sure, which is which is really incredible to me, you know, that the Canadians put a lot of faith in Mike Matheson this last year, and he rewarded that faith. Yeah. And I don't think he owes anything to anybody more than he owes something to himself because, honestly, he took the ball and ran with it. And, and prove something to himself that I think he always believed, but never necessarily believed to the point that it, it came out of him. Like he realized his potential this last year and he can still be better. 
you can still be better and he believes that and that's exciting like that should be exciting for mike matheson and that should be Uh exciting for the canadians because the confidence he played with uh was a inspired by the fact that he was being put in situations he had never been put in before and trusted in situations he was never really trusted before Uh at least not over a long period of time and b he gained so much confidence from that that he proved to himself that he could be an even better player than even people think he can be at his top end. And that's that should be extremely exciting for the Canadians, whether he has a very long-term future with the Canadians or he's here for the next two, three years, or he ends up netting them a piece that helps them contend. Um, one way or the other, it's a pretty, success, a pretty big success story so far, and if it continues to be one, that's going to be a really big part of where the Canadians – are able to turn this into uh, a better team, you know? Um, put you on the spot again. Are you ready? Do it. You would have to think that it'll be very difficult for all of these prospects to be here all at the same time. As a matter of fact, it'll be impossible because there's just so many of them and there's only so many positions, right? So Take a look at all the guys that are there. And you talked about Mayu and Lane Hudson on the way, probably within a year or two, maybe less. Uh, And then everyone else that's already here. And then there's even Engstrom and there's other prospects too. Mm -hmm. If one of them would be dealt, is there anyone that just comes to mind for you that you say, you know what, I just, I I don't see where there's going to be a spot for him. Is there one that stands out or no, you're not at that point I yet? think it's less to do that I don't know if there will be a spot with him and more to do with the value, the way he can increase his own value to the point where he becomes more valuable to other teams than he is to Montreal because of the depth that they have at his position. And I think... It's a hard that, thing to do, though, because if he increases yeah. his value, that means he's becoming a pretty good player. And usually those players are not the players you want to get rid of. He will. It's just like... Did Romanov become a pretty good player before the Canadians traded him? Point taken. Point taken. And I see a similar... A little bit overrated, but, you know... Yeah, but, I I mean, I I think the promise that he showed was that he was going to be a top-four defenseman all day, every day. Yeah, that's true. That's what he's going to be. That's true. Um, I see that in Jordan Harris. I see in Jordan Harris a player that has a lot of value to the Canadians right now and a stability factor in his game and a player that is getting better and better and is going to be better than a lot of people assume and that inevitably could prove to be a top four defenseman, but not necessarily a top four defenseman with the Montreal Canadiens. And that's where his value would become a lot more on the market than it would be to the team itself. And that's not to do with Harris himself and more to do with what's in the system and what's coming. Um, Justin Barron's probably another name that I look at. Uh, despite their weakness and depth on the right side, maybe he takes a couple of big steps and proves so valuable that it becomes great. But he's in a really, over the next couple of years, stiff competition with Logan Mayu, and maybe there will be more facets uh, to Mayu's game, or maybe he'll excel in one particular facet that would unseat Barron from one of those spots. So. I look at those two players specifically, Harris and Barron, and say they have a lot of growing to do with the Canadians, and if they grow the way they should, could be more valuable on the market than they are to the Canadians just because of what's in the system. So it's, I know it's a 
strange way of looking at things, but it's also how you get better in this league, right? Okay. All right. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Should the Montreal Canadiens win the Stanley Cup? Three years from now, four years from now, five years from now. Okay. Um, maybe let me let me phrase it another way. In your opinion, can Nick Suzuki center a number one line of a team that's going to win the Stanley Cup? Without question. In your opinion, can Samuel Montembeau backstop the Montreal Canadiens as their number one netminder en route to a cup? We're going to find out. In my opinion, he has proven that he can be a really good 1B in the NHL, and he has potential to be a 1A. Will he be a 1 bona fide 1 like Andre Vasilevsky? No. Uh, I think the jury's out on that. But I don't discount the idea of him becoming a 1A on a Stanley Cup contending team if he continues to progress and continues to take the steps that he's already he's put himself on a ladder and he's jumped a few steps in a year. And that's a very quick progression based when you compare it to the progression that happened before that. Yeah. So, teams that teams that win the cup, um, they have several ingredients. There is a common denominator in many of them. One of them is they usually have a horse on the fence. The St. Louis blues and the Las Vegas golden Knights uh, had, Alex Petrangelo, the Boston Bruins had Zdeno Chara, the Los Angeles Kings had Drew Doughty, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks had Duncan Keith, the Pittsburgh Penguins had Christopher Letang. The list goes on and on. We can we can play this game until we're blue in the face. Can Mike Matheson be that guy for the Montreal Canadiens should they win a cup three, four years down the line? I don't know if he has the versatility, and I'd give you the same answer regarding Caden Gooley, but I would say that you don't win cups without guys like Caden Gooley. I think the the potential of Caden Gooley, and not just defensively, I think he has a unheralded offensive ability that will that will shine through a lot more as he progresses through his career. I don't think he's ever going to be a massive point producer or anything like that, but I do think that he has a better chance of having a more multifaceted game uh, and being that type of player. Will he be Alex Petrangelo one day? I don't think so. But I think he is going to be a bona fide number two, number one defenseman in this league. And we'll see who's around him and what's complementing him on that pairing. So if you had to say uh, out of, and you haven't said this, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are you, are you saying somewhat saying that if there's going to be a guy that you would be willing to give out of the young players, the one or two label to, 
you would have Gouli have that label before Hudson uh, or Mayu? Yeah, I would have Gouli have that label before anybody on the team, actually. Okay, last question, unless you want to bring something up yourself. When all is said and done, let's just say in a perfect world here, the Montreal Canadiens win the Stanley Cup. Will Kirby Doc be at center or on the wing? Oh, man, that's so not hard. Just to another answer. pretty face, you know. I ask really good questions. It's, it is. Like, just a Belfast, I'm going to – what was the uh... – what was the kid line in Tampa? Tyler Johnson, yeah. Andre Palat, Nikita Kucherov, right? Yeah. When we watched them explode and kill the league, would would I would you have assumed that a year or two later Tyler Johnson would be on the wing? No. If this I, team, I, would, I, I, if, I would have told you that Nikita Kucherov will be one of the best players in the league within a couple of yeah, years. Yeah, me too. And yeah. Palat also is unbelievable. I guess my point is, you want to win the Stanley Cup, then Kirby Doc is a center and a winger, and you have another three players just like him who are just as versatile. I hear you. And that's what they're trying to do right now, you right? Need as many about- people who are like, oh, they have too many centers. Like, you never have too many centers. They can play the wing. Look at Team Canada and why they win – you have some of the best players in the world. Like Patrick yeah. Bergeron and Sidney Crosby played the wing at points. For yeah, sure. yeah. And, and if I mean, you can play center, you can play wing. And we also know this. You have to keep in mind, you know what? What happens if you have an injury at the center ice position? So you're right. You never have enough centers. Eric, this has been a lot of fun, as always, a regular collaborator throughout the year. And that even goes for the summer, which is much appreciated. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, my man. Cheers. Cheers. All right, there you have it. Eric Engels of Sportsnet, Sportsnet.ca. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. If you're watching right now on YouTube, like it, share it with your friends, comment, sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. And on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. Why? Because I'm a really nice guy. That's why. So is Agnello and Sammy, by the way. They're nice people, too. Thank you very much for watching again. For Agnello and Sammy, I'm Master Control. They're Cavallaro. Me? Who am I? A marinero. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. TV. Embrace your true nature and Playground, your premier gaming destination.